Yo, what's up, Smarks? Welcome back to Smark of the Beast, our now by sometimes try weekly uh, podcast that we do. My name's Matt Moment. I'm one half of the most electrifying tag team in podcast history, and I'm here with my tag team partner, Lifetime Matt Wilson. Lifetime Matt Wilson, how are you? How's the brand? How strong is it? <laughs> I just imagine all like Ric Flair woos now followed up by like a hacking cough. <laughs> oh, that's mm, so real, so true, and so sad. But so sad. you know what? Rick's still with us after a momentary health scare, another one. And every time Rick kicks out, I, I got to celebrate a little bit. Oh, man. my So a really good friend of mine that moved to New York to work in advertising uh, got a job at a advertising firm, pitched a Ric Flair series of commercials, got it, and then got to babysit Ric Flair for like two days. That's fantastic. I mean, I, and he's a mark. Like he's a, he's a he is a current watching fan, long, like lifelong fan. So look, I don't want to look. I don't want to turn this into a Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan thing, but I will. <laughs> it, it, it's Hulk Hogan alienates people and loses friends and everybody who meets Ric Flair uh, loves him and considers him to be uh, their best friend. I use as evidence for this offset. <laughs> <laughs> I have not, not just like, Oh, my buddy's cousin's neighbor, but my actual friend who actually texted me actual text message pictures of him hanging out with the nature boy. That is really quite amazing. But at this, like, Offset, the rapper, mm-hmm. who famously made the song Ric Flair Drip, like, publicly came out and said, hey, Ric Flair's not dead. Stop <laughs> saying Ric Flair's dead. He's not dead, boy. So I look forward to when your friend is is also that close with Rick, where he can go out and, like, defend him publicly. <laughs> Brendan, if you're listening, give us an update because um, we know you just hang with Ric Flair all the time now since you made a commercial with him for a chain of convenience stores located only in the greater New York area. But, Matt, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> it's it's tangentially related to it. You're not I'll, wrong. You know, I'd rather talk about Ric Flair and commercials than uh, the pay-per-view that's coming up that's not actually happening. Oh my! I mean, it is happening, but not for me. Nope, not in my reality. Hey, perception is reality, and in my reality, that's not happening. That's right. Um, Well, this is Smark of the Beast, and on this show, we don't just talk about my friend knowing Ric Flair, or at least being in his vicinity for 48 hours. What we really talk about is a list, a list that we have going that is a ranking of everything to do with the king of sports, professional wrestling, not just matches, not just outfits, not just commercials starring the nature boy Ric Flair, but everything to do with pro wrestling. Because we love it, you love it, and uh, we want to keep this thing going. Um, if you want to send in entries for the list, you can do that. Just go to your email and type into the send column. Is it a column? It's not. It's a field. Sorry. Technical difficulties. 
um, type into that field, smarkofthebeast at gmail.com, and send us a list of three to five things that you would like to see ranked. I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm a little distracted while we are recording this podcast because I have SmackDown on, and Kofi just got his head squished in a folding chair by Dolph Ziggler? Question mark? Yeah. Yeah. He got pilmanized in that chair. He really did. Goodness gracious. And then he got up and pulled the the foley off uh, off the stretcher. Also, Kofi's chest is weird. Anyway, um... We are going to go ahead and and rank a couple of lists. I think we're going to do two this evening, but we'll see how things go. We'll see what time allows. We'll see how much tape we have um, to roll. Matt Wilson, are you ready to do our first list? I am ready for nothing else. It is the only thing I'm ready for. <laughs> well, then, let's get to it. Our first list comes from listener Emma Glenn. Emma, thanks so much. Sorry it took a while to get to your list, but all's fair in love and war. Um, and with that in mind, the first thing on Emma's list is Deuce and Domino. So we talked. you talked about the interest of time and getting to two lists. Um, I feel like we can get through Deuce and Domino pretty quickly because the full extent of what I know about them is very small. Yeah, um, Deuce and Domino seems to be a... Uh, uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind scenario where there's just a hole in my memory where there used to be a tag team. <laughs> I even looked them up and it was like I was looking at nothing. It was like I couldn't see uh, what was going on because I just it's just a big empty hole. People love to talk about the bad gimmicks of the late 80s and early 90s, like the bad occupational gimmicks. Mm-hmm. And there were some bad ones. Like, IRS is not a good gimmick. Correct. The, the um, what is it? Isaac Yankum DDS? Not a good gimmick. <laughs> I there, forgot his last name. <laughs> Yankum. Yankum. Isaac oh, Yankum. Man. Oh, man. The, there's, a, there's a lot of bad ones. The Repo Man. Even though I have a weird special place. I was in about to say. Repo Man. I kind of like the Repo Man. But... Do not sleep on the terrible gimmicks of the mid 2000s. It's just weird because it's like in a in a television show where at one point they could make an Elvis impersonator work. How do greasers not work? Well, it's it, it's the same thing. It's like certain gimmicks that would otherwise be shit on sometimes work. Hmm. Like who would have thought that? a bunch of vampires two of those guys would become one of those guys would become a pretty big star one of those guys would become a huge star you know yeah who would have thought that the undertaker another op- occupational gimmick from the early 90s would get way over and i just don't were, i just don't like, think of the undertaker as occupational though cuz he was always he was 100% occupational when he started interesting he had a funeral home Oh, that's right. Oh, you're right. But people forget that because he's like a good performer and he's, he overcame the bad gimmick. That I mean, a lot of times people have to overcome the bad gimmick. and But there's a graveyard of terrible gimmicks from the mid to late 2000s. Like, like Chuck and Billy, which people remember at least. Mm-hmm. 
and and crime time and um the mexicools they were a lot of like weird they weren't occupational but they were like sort of like these weird almost like identity gimmicks mm. and deuce and domino are among the most forgettable of those where yeah they're 50s greaser guys just it's so weird it just should it should work but it just was forgettable um i don't have we even really like where on our list is forgettable stuff stuff that's like not upsetting not necessarily bad or anything but just like forgettable would that be like the ecw zombie i mean the ecw zombie is is memorable say about it what you will it is memorable yeah, I mean, the, these, yeah, you're right. It's it's another bad mid to late 2000s gimmick. But, you know, you remember it because it's so weird. And it was so not ECW, you know? Mm-hmm. These are just like, sometimes this stuff comes back. Like when Vince McMahon decided a pay-per-view should be called Great Balls of Fire. Right. It's like, he has this idea that like this old-fashioned version of cool should be is cool. It's like Stan Lee trying to write dialogue for teenagers. Yeah. Um, like there's another, who are those, who are the Italian guys? The Italian, like we're from New York, uh, tag team guys. Oh, I have no idea. This was also def- s- definitely when I stopped watching wrestling. Yeah. I wasn't watching it either, but like there was, there were so many bad gimmicks during that time. And, People people had to overcome them to get over. Case in point, John Cena. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, these guys are just like they performed at WrestleMania, and I forgot they existed. Yeah, I I mean, like I said, it's not just not remembering them. I wasn't really watching during that time, and then on top of that, just going back and trying to read about them, I'm like, it's like I saw like there's just a blur where their pictures are. I feel like we've got to find the dividing line between bad but memorable and bad. I would say like. Punjabi prison is memorable but bad. Like, yeah, it's it's also a little racist though. Yeah, I know. That's where we get it. Is that the ceiling for problematic? Um. Well, I mean, Donald Trump's wrestling career is right above that. Wedding storylines are can be offensive. Yeah. Hogan versus Jeff Jarrett is incredibly memorable for how bad it is. Mm. I think that's probably the line. Somewhere around the line for offensiveness. I mean, the politics and the bullshit is like so memorable. Yeah. Yokozuna's body slam challenge is pretty racist. I think these guys might be on par with British Bulldogs cornrows. You're right. You're right. Um, I would put this below British because I have strong memories of British Bulldogs cornrows. I would put them above the sledgehammer though, because I hate that thing. Because the sledgehammer is always neutered. It's always right. It's never gonna be the thing you want it to be. Yeah, and these guys just aren't anything. Yeah. Um, we don't want them to be. They're not. It's not a. It's not an unmet expectation. It's a zero. It's a void. A null. Yeah, I mean they lasted on the main roster for. Barely over a year, if that yeah. means anything. All right, I like two. I like two fourteen for Deuce and Domino. 
Also, I just really want to move on. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. mean almost because I don't know. Maybe they were great workers. I, I just, I'm, I'm over it. I, I just. Usually, I think I just get a special kind of disappointed when I'm like, ooh, a thing I don't remember or haven't heard of, and then I look it up, and I'm like, well, it's a good reason I haven't heard of this. I believe, well, no, well, I guess the, the stable I was thinking of, the Italian guys, were the full-blooded Italians. Oh, yeah. Uh, who were actually ECW guys okay. uh, to start, so uh, mm. that solves that. All right. Well, next on Emma's list, a very short list, but a good one, is Minaro Suzuki putting a dude in a sleeper hold until they're kind of unconscious and then quickly setting them up for a pile driver. Uh, rules. I mean, so good and horrifying. Perfect example of like a horrifying Japanese wrestling thing. I mean, that's that's Minoru Suzuki in a nutshell. You know, right. he's he is a terrifying fight man <laughs> right <laughs> scary it's actually i believe what it translates to in english a scary fight man yeah um yeah that is true that is he is one of those dudes who constantly performs moves that makes me think this may not be for me <laughs> like i don't i may i may be too weak for this just to watch it even yeah and like that, that's good that's a plus like people talk about to, to talk about a currently lightning rod controversial figure in wrestling. People talk about the realism that Brock Lesnar brings to wrestling. He don't hold a candle. Oh, no to way. To Suzuki. No way. So I'm going to go right to the burning hammer for this. Yeah, it's pretty close. It's not as rare as the burning hammer, but yeah. uh, as like believable breathtaking, probably. It's also a multi-step move, which is not something we get a ton of. Yeah, you, that happens every once in a while now, like when uh, like Seth Rollins going from the superplex to the Falcon Arrow. Oh, yeah. Which never point. ends a match, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, But the thing that ends the match is the weird, like, boot to the head. I don't it's know. the I stomp, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't like the stomp. Um. Okay, so uh, we're going to put it below the Burning Hammer. Um, man, does it go above or below the Dudley Boys? I think the Dudley Boys might edge it out, but I th- having just seen two Money in the Bank ladder matches, which were pretty good, mm-hmm. but also a little disappointing, I think that it can go above the Money in the Bank ladder match. Yeah, because I think the Money in the Bank ladder match, even a good one, is trying to be as scary as this. But isn't. Yeah, I think you're right. And and the Money in the Bank ladder matches always have some good spots. But I think the problem with it is if the person you want to win doesn't win, which if you have a favorite, you have a one in six chance of your mm-hmm. favorite winning. Right. Um, you forget the big spots and you just get mad about the finish. Like, everybody was mad about Brock Lesnar winning that briefcase. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you're right. Looking back on it, I mean, we had Ricochet and Andrade in that match. That's what we should be talking about, and it's he, not. Ricochet did a spot where he broke a ladder. Ugh. It Disgusting. Was, the, the women's ladder match had an eclipse off of a ladder. Ugh. So upsetting. I'm going to go back and watch them again, I think. I was really tired when I watched them the first time. They were good matches, but like 
and the women's match had a very good acceptable finish that paid off but you know it's what happens in those matches is always going to be forgotten because of the the finishes same night cash ins yes or no just like overall what's your knee jerk reaction um it i like them fine they can work great especially if it's a baby face yeah i would agree with that because a babyface doesn't get anything from carrying around a briefcase because the briefcase is a heat magnet, right? Right. It's the way to give a heel some heat. It's not a way to shine up a babyface. That said, the same night cash-ins, they did it two years in a row. So I would hope that they're not going to do it next year. The fact that there are two briefcases now makes me think that the same night cash-in might become a regular thing, and I hope it doesn't. Yeah, I wouldn't like it as a regular thing. Agreed. Um, all right. Well, there it is. Minaro Suzuki uh, kind of choking somebody out and then giving them a, a horrifying pile driver thing. Um, he's going pretty high on the list. Number 67. Next, bless that violent man. Bless that horrifying, horrifying moveset. Um, all right. Number three in the final entry on Emma Glenn's list. Oh, man. You're going to have to talk me down because I... I want to put this unreasonably high. Either that or maybe you feel the same way. Uh, but number three on the list is uh, Sexy Star saying, fuck you, Mariposa, during the No Moss match in Lucha Underground Season 2. One of my favorite Lucha Underground moments. It's great. The only thing that brings it down is Sexy Star's reduced status in mm. in the years since. But I don't know if that should diminish this as a moment. No, we should rank this for what it was when it happened. Yeah, like, like it, correct me if I'm wrong. That maybe my memory's wrong. This is during the like storyline of Sexy Star being a sexual assault victim and then yeah. getting her revenge. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like that's she, dope. <laughs> she. I mean, I think Marty the Moth ended up being the target for that. But Mariposa was storyline Marty's sister. So, right. Yeah, um, I mean, it was all it was all part of that. Yeah, I think you know the best thing would be maybe to not have those kinds of storylines. But they did a pretty good job with it because it was never overt, um, in like a gross like early two thousands comics way. It was really more like her kidnapping was an analog for you know violation of some kind, and then her like being like healing like her character you know she she was still scared of of them but like getting over her own fear and then and then getting her revenge that was like a wildly nuanced for a wrestling show yeah there were a couple things in it that weren't great like when finding the spider in the locker or whatever oh yeah but the story was 95 percent revenge like 95 percent her being an overcoming survivor rather mm. than a victim. Right. And the, the, those stories get bad when you wallow in the victimhood. Correct. You know? Yeah. And, and it didn't do that. And so that's why it worked. So good. Um, and I would say this was at least one of like two or three highlighted moments of, of that whole storyline. Um, also Looking, just go ahead. Well, they didn't like, Vampiro, for instance, wasn't like constantly dropping the F bomb. Like it was always they used there were certain things that they used sparingly. 
Blood was not one of them, but the F-bomb was. Yeah, because I think they bleeped F-bombs on Lucha Underground. They could say shit, but they couldn't. They bleeped F-bombs. Right. And so, yeah, when one got busted out, it was it was a moment. And looking back on it, like, season two is really when Lucha Underground was firing on all cylinders. That's 100%. The show at its absolute peak best when you've got Mil Muertes sitting on his skull throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ruled so much. Um, and it's a shame that it's it's never going to be that again. But if it ever exists again. But, yeah, like... This is one of those like top moments of the best season. I, I think you're right. For sure. So, you know, right off the bat, we're going to be looking at Skull, skull Throne territory, um, which is close to where we already were. That's number <laughs> currently the good number. Um, oh, the, the so, nice number. The nice number, excuse me. Uh, the nice number. Um, uh, for the skull, the skull Throne, I don't know that, well... So my knee jerk is that this is not as good as the Skull Throne. However, there is a voice in my head that's like, but this has real emotional gravitas in a way that the Skull Throne doesn't. The Skull Throne is an incredibly memorable visual. This moment inspires a feeling. And... I, I think Im- something that inspires an emotion is always better than just a cool visual. So I'm with you. I, I would say it's it's probably above the Skull Throne. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, is it better than a Money in the Bank ladder match? Probably, yeah. I don't know when a Money in the Bank ladder match has ever mil- made me feel anything. <laughs> right. I don't... I mean, I, it, other than like happy, happy when somebody I wanted to win won. Yeah. Um, well, so Minoru Suzuki's uh, pile driver and the burning hammer make me feel terror uh, or yeah. disgust. Um, I would say, um, I would say it goes. I don't know. Does it go above the Dudley Boy? It it is also weirdly in a neighborhood or would make a good neighbor for Mankind vs. Rock, just because yeah, of the big that's- pop. You know. That's what I was going to say, because Mankind winning the title for the first time is also a very emotional kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's because Foley or Mankind was such a fan favorite. He's such an underdog. You know, it was seeing a guy. It was somewhat similar to the Kofi moment because mm-hmm. Mick Foley had been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that was his first title win. So, I, I, to me, that that inspires a little more emotion and maybe feels a little less contrived than than the the sexy star thing. Because mm-hmm. I think you're right in saying that that story had the potential to go way wrong. <laughs> you know, right, right. Um, so I I would probably say right below the mankind championship win. Okay, I like that, because I definitely think that it is, yeah, I, I think that that's a very respectable place to put it. So, there it will go. 
Um, at the number new number 65 on the list is Sexy Star saying, Fuck you, Mary Posa, during the No Moss match in Lucha Underground Season 2. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's all, all on right. Netflix. It's all on Netflix, baby. Um, okay. Thank you, Emma Glenn, for sending in that list. And it was a short one, so we're gonna do another one. Are you feel you feel good about that? You feel good about doing a gauntlet match right now, my tag team partner? Let's go for it, my man. And and it seems that this list is themed. Yeah, boy, is it. Um, really quick, just in case anybody is unaware, um, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash smartpodcast. And on that Twitter, we have a live list running. So there's like a link to the, um, the spreadsheet that we keep. Uh, what do you call it? Google Sheet that we keep. So you can go there. Number one on the list right now is still Dusty Rhodes Hard Times promo. And the last thing on the list, number 241, is Miscarriage Storylines. So if you are new to the podcast or um, haven't listened in a while or haven't looked at the list in a while, just good for you to know there's 241 entries and those are the bookends. Um, all right. Without further ado, we've got a themed list from Mr. John Sawyer, listener, contributor, emailer, and uh, the theme is uh, the the terrible acts of Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, or rather Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, the character on screen. So we're not going to be talking about like things that John Oliver called him out for. We're going to be talking about <laughs> actual wrestle things, not business things. Um but I don't know. I may still there may still be some um, crossover emotions for me. Uh, number one, <laughs> number one on the list is uh, Vince McMahon revealing himself as the higher power, aka it's me, Austin. It was me all along. <laughs> this is when he's like in a druid robe, right? Am I remembering yep. that correctly? And you got it. This is pretty cool. I like. I mean, because, I don't know. I have fond memories. Do you remember the the context for this? I vaguely. Why don't you please uh, refresh me and and right. our audience? Uh, the Undertaker. This is the period that see, uh, apparently the Undertaker did not like in his career, where he was the leader of the Ministry of Darkness. My personal favorite Undertaker. And, and Taker didn't like it? He didn't like it. it. He thought it was too... Too dark. Too religious, I guess. I wonder, it's, it's, you think Mark is just like kind of a good old boy and gets sketched out when they do like sat too satanic of a thing? All I know is that he does interviews with preachers now. <laughs> what is it with wrestlers? I mean, God love them, obviously. Yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> anyway, this was pre-American Badass, which I think was his response to being the head of the ministry. But this is when Undertaker was leading the Ministry of Darkness, and he was terrorizing not only Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Stephanie McMahon. Oh, that's right. And he is kept this somebody gets crucified, right? It's Stephanie. Stephanie gets crucified by her you know, on her own father's orders. So he Undertaker was constantly talking about the higher power. The higher powers told me told me to do this. Is telling me to do that. 
Um, one day you'll you'll hear about my the person who gives me the order is the higher power, and he puts Stephanie on a big Undertaker logo and crucifies her, and Stone Cold saves her from that. And there's all this buildup that there's going to be this like big new, uh, you know, evil supernatural character who's giving the Undertaker all his marching orders. Then it turns out to be Vince McMahon. Which, there is precedent, it's worth noting, there is precedent for this actually leading up to a wrestler debut because the storyline with Kane worked and was great. So it wouldn't have been, like, people had a reason to believe that this might actually debut a new character. Yeah, and they had to do some, they had to do some, narrative gymnastics to explain why the higher power was, you know, trying to crucify his own daughter. Um, I believe what they came up with was that Stephanie was in on it the whole time. And so uh, Undertaker, like she was just a pawn or she was like part of the whole deal just to terrorize Austin. Mm. Um, But this led up to the formation of the corporate ministry, which went on for a while after that um which thematically thinking back on it has really deep implications about the marriage of like satanism and and capitalism boy never put that together before man layers my dude layers anywho long story short it didn't make any sense at the time i don't know if it's a black scorpion situation where the person it was supposed to be it ended up leaving or they made a change at the last minute and then it ended up being the most obvious person for it to be. Because if you don't remember, the Black Scorpion was supposed to be somebody else and then it was Ric Flair <laughs> who was terrorizing Sting. Mm-hmm. And this is another one where it's like, oh, the person terrorizing Stone Cold is the person who's been antagonizing Stone Cold for three years now. But... In hindsight, that moment is great and hilarious. And there's a reason it became a meme. A hundred percent. Because you will never forget it. You will never forget Vince McMahon taking off that that hood and saying, It was me. <laughs> it is the number one like quotable Vince McMahon line besides God damn it. Yeah, between that and Vince McMahon, like his eyes rolling back in his head and him falling out of that chair. Yeah, it's the it's the most memed Vince McMahon moment, man. It is like a lovably bad moment. So where on our list do we have lovably bad stuff? Uh, probably below some of the stuff we've just been talking about. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what is a uh, very lovably bad in my mind. And that what? is the the Chamber of Horrors match from Halloween Havoc 1991. Also horror, horror or occult themed. Yes. Um, what number do we have that? Oh, here is 77 <laughs> at yeah. number 77. I mean, maybe that's too high, but I don't uh, think that's too high. This is like a pretty definite, just the fact that it's a meme, like that it's a popular meme is a yeah. good, you know, indicator of it being important on some level. Yeah. Like, I think that's pro wrestling, right? Pro wrestling is full of things that are, kind of stupid 
but that's kind of what makes them great, and you will never forget them. Agreed, hundred percent. I think it's better than well, I think it's better than the Chamber of Horrors. Don't you think it's better than the Pillman Stone Cold segment? I don't know. Another thing that is absolutely unforgettable. But it's got some, like, the gun thing. I don't know, man. I always really have a problem with the gun. Yeah, I get it. I'd be willing to put it above the Pillman Stone Cold segment. All right. That's probably not above the little motorized rings. No way. Dude, that's a hill I'll die on. Okay, so I, it will I enter. I love. Let me. Can you tell you something? Yeah, I love tiny motorized rings. Love them. I, if there's one thing I know for sure about you, Matt, it's it's that. It's and that I'm a sucker for a tiny motorized wrestling ring, or boxing ring. All right, so that means Vince McMahon revealing himself to be the higher power is at number seventy six. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love it. I'm I'm happy with it. There. All right. Next on this list is the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club. Uh, scroll down. Scroll way down. I mean, I'd forgot, or maybe th- this was definitely when I was not watching. And let me tell you something, brother. I was sad to have to have looked this up because I wasn't sure what I was going to find, but I was not prepared for it to be Old Man McMahon's bare ass. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a it is a boss sexual assault storyline played for laughs. Now... What was the time period of the clips you watched? I don't know. I saw a G-string and I saw a bear ass. Yeah. I, if I remember right, well, no. No, they didn't do it twice. They did a thing where Seamus did it. Mm-hmm. Did basically the same thing, even though he didn't pull his tr- trunks down. He just like kind of pulled them up so people would kiss like his butt cheek. So th- I think that's what I'm remembering that's more recent. The that the actual Kiss My Ass Club, I want to say was sometime around like 2000-ish. Okay. I definitely I definitely don't remember seeing it in earnest. I mean, until today. The the one I mean, they're all bad. Um like every instance of it, but there is a very distinct line between making oh it uh, was created by Vince McMahon after the collapse of the WCW ECW alliance at Survivor Series 2001 there you go all right uh, there's a very big difference between making William Regal do it you know mm-hmm. who was yeah. the first the first member of the Kiss My Ass Club there's a difference between making Shawn Michaels do it and uh, making Trish Stratus do it, right? Or Jim Ross. Yeah, I. Yeah, I just all around. It's such a. It's so easily goes from like, oh, we're gonna take the phrase, the colloquialism, "kiss my ass," and we're gonna turn it into this thing that really, the context for it is, touch my private part or lose your job. That's yeah. just not okay. Um, plus, it's like literally the old man being so starved for ratings and attention that he's willing to take his pants off on screen. Um, it's pretty rough. It's pretty it's rough. Bad, bad news bears uh, all around. Like, you know, 
it's it's one thing to like make that be a punishment for a heel. It's it's another thing to make it be a humiliation for a real human being. Right. And I, I don't know, I don't know the circumstances of the um the Trish Stratus one, which I don't think she actually did it, but it came really close. Or I I've actually seen Jim Ross be interviewed about having to do it and like absolutely not wanting to do it and feeling real life humiliated by it. Right. So, um, Yikes. um it's not good. It's not good. Is it worse than what? Uh, um, it's just gross. I, it, it doesn't go into like full on offensive. Like, like, I mean, it is offensive, but just to like you know taste, right? <laughs> Not to to someone like personally, right? Um, so I think it might be comparable to Dudley Boy's power bombing women. Mm, yep. In that it's like this this weird, gross, power move thing. It's similar also to Foley in handcuffs taking chair shots because it's a thing I never want to see again. Sure, but Foley in handcuffs taking chair shots is like, it's at the bottom of the list, but it, it's a it's wrestling, you know? Right. It's Foley went into that match knowing that it was going to happen. It wasn't his ritual humiliation. Yeah, I would say it goes right below that because so I think, think it's, I think it's, it's less offensive than the Dudley boys power bombing all the women. But, um, to me, those are a wash. So I'm fine with that. Okay. Yeah. I would put it just above that. Okay. Um, so going in at the number two, two thirty five is Vince McMahon's kiss my ass club gimmick. Okay. Last on this list and last for the evening. Ugh. I just, I need a minute. <laughs> Um, is Vince McMahon defeats God in a tag team match at Backlash 2006. <sighs> now, Matt Wilson and yes, lis- listeners, some of you, if you listen to the show or know me in real life, may know that I'm a, I consider myself a man of faith. I'm an employee at a church. I'm a, I'm a, an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I have lots of thoughts on this. <laughs> um, I also theologically uh, would consider myself an annihilationist, so I do not believe in the existence of conscious hell. But if I did, I would be glad that this is probably what landed Vince there. <laughs> I mean, there there would be any number of other things <laughs> I would think that would qualify Vince McMahon. You're right. It. I just feel like this would be the nail in the coffin. You know, like the the ticket the the punched ticket after he has used and abused so many people and been directly responsible for the young deaths of many a wrestler and then after all that he's just like well i haven't been struck dead by lightning yet so let's just have me make fun of god on national television all right if i may be allowed to to mount a defense go for it because Straight up, I think this is great. (laughs) 
I think it's I I think it's better certainly better than the Kiss My Ass Club. Probably not better than it was me all along, Austin. Man, I cannot believe I was I got married in two thousand and six. I cannot believe that Vince and Shane were tag teaming against Shawn Michaels and God the year that I got married. Yeah, wild, isn't That's it? Why that is wild. I think the thing that rubs me the wrong way about this a little bit is that like, sh- you know, it's definitely a rib on Sean. Yes, you know, and it's like here's my and like forgive me for taking this a little too seriously, but it's like you treat these guys like shit their whole lives. They get addicted to drugs, they get addicted to women, they get addicted to the road. And then it seems like for almost all of them, their way out is some form of recovery and through that some sort of born again situation. And I'm sure that I probably would not agree with most of these guys if it got down to the nitty gritty of like theology and biblical interpretation, but still there's something to be said for like, well, this is a thing that helps you get out of the darkness that kills you at 42 years old to make fun of that with a spotlight and using the term getting jiggy with it is just a bummer to me. I don't know. And again, like I hear myself taking it a little too seriously, but it's just like, come on. If I may, Matt, go for it. If, if I may, Look, I don't want to I mean this in the most loving way possible. <laughs> Go ahead. You getting worked, brother. Uh, so am. It's funny. It's like the snake that eats its own tail. It's like I know that the point of it is to rile up like rednecky good old boy god and country and guns people, which are like that's the type that I've tried to run away from my whole life, but I ran so fast and so far in one direction that I ended up in the same spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're right. Here's, here's, I mean, you're not wrong. That's a real heat. I'd probably, this is probably the realest heat ever. I think this, like, is it bad taste? Yes. <laughs> but pro wrestling a lot of it is bad taste. And I would say this is on the better side of bad taste because it does exactly what it's meant to do. And I think the way that you can tell that it's a, it's a work and, and the story is going to go somewhere is the fact that Sean participated. That's true. And, you know, first rule of comedy, never punch down. Well, there's only one person that Vince McMahon can punch up to, and that's Yah- <laughs> yeah. that's Yahweh, the Lord of Hosts. <laughs> like, like you say, it's Vince McMahon making fun of God, which maybe he is, but I prefer to read it as Vince McMahon making fun of himself. Yeah, in a rare occasion, this is Vince McMahon saying, "I beat God at a pay per view." <laughs> What more egotistical, super heelish thing can someone be, mm-hmm. right? And the the thing is, in the end, the Sean got the moral victory. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And I mean, to clarify, my issue with it is not like, like I enjoy irreverent humor, and I, I mean, I listen to 
black metal. Like I understand the new, <laughs> I understand the nuance of like blasphemy as an art form and as a form of expression. So it's not necessarily that I'm mad that he's making fun of God. Like God's big, he can take it. My thing is more that he's making it bums me out that he's making fun of Sean. Um, in the same way that it would like, I'm trying to think. Hasn't there been storylines where they like make fun of someone for having a drinking problem? Oh, certainly. Like yeah. Well, there there have been like little jabs at like Jeff Hardy. That's right. It was Jeff Hardy. I was trying to remember yeah. recently, and it's like, but that's from other wrestlers. For Vince to jab at something like that, to me, it's like making fun of somebody for something you did to them, like in real life did to them. But again, I'm taking it a little too seriously and getting worked rightfully and, so. And in the weeks that followed, Sean definitely got his revenge on Vince and Shane. That's true. Cause, cause I, the I, whole, was, the whole I wasn't conceit, thinking of it in context of the whole storyline. Yeah. The whole conceit of the thing was that like it was Vince and Shane saying like, Oh, you're, you're so Christian now. Why don't you come let God be your tag team partner and wrestle both of us. And so it was a handicap match. And then Shane and Vince needed help to win even then. Mm -hmm. Cause the spirit squad helped him. Mm. So, and then like, again, in later weeks, Sean, got his win back and uh and then triple h got involved then it became a dx thing so it got a little muddied <laughs> yeah but all that said like i prefer to see the the thing where vince you know quote unquote beats god at a pay-per-view as like being the ultimate egotistical heel move right and very effective healing so I, I like great might be an overstatement, but I think it does what it intended to do. It's supposed to make you hate Vince mm -hmm. for doing this to Sean. Yeah. It worked. You got, I can't yeah. argue that. Um, all right. Well, where, where make me a proposition here. Let's see. I, I, I think probably like middle of the list territory okay. somewhere. Uh, it would it would tend to go okay. Like okay, it's not better than when Bobby Heenan uh, tells Staggerly Marshall that he wishes he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's probably better than the Million Dollar Championship. Okay, that's fair. Uh, let's see, what number are we on? Sorry, I'm scrolling. That's I'm not between one forty three and one forty four. So that would make it the new number one forty four. I'm good with that. Yeah, let's see. Million Dollar Championship, Stang, that's uh, Buried Alive matches. It's definitely better than a Buried Alive match. You're saying above the Million Dollar Championship? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that. If only for the visceral reaction that it elicited from me. Uh, like, a self-proclaimed smart. If there's one thing above, if there's one thing you can heighten from a belt that indicates how rich a guy is... In healing, it's someone saying, I'm going to beat God at a pay-per-view. <laughs> Very true. Weirdly comparable. Yeah. 
Oh, man, that's great. Well, what a good time we had on this little journey through these two lists. And thanks so much to Emma Glenn and to John Sawyer for sending in those lists. If you'd like to send in a list, you can do that by just emailing it to smarkofthebeast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash smarkpodcast or just go search at smarkpodcast is our name. Um, until next time, uh, Matt Wilson, where can people find you on the Internet individually? I, I try to make it as easy as I can to find everything that I do, my other podcasts, my books, my comics, and my social media presences. You can simply go to mattdwilson.net and find links to all of those things. Matt Fisher, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at mattmoment, M-A-T-T-M-O-M-E-N-T, twitter.com slash mattmoment. I'm working on some new music, but I haven't gotten it up yet, so I won't to remind you of my SoundCloud URL, but you can definitely check me out on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Instagram, um, you can also do that. That's Instagram.com slash Matt Moment. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you can catch me outside. Um, well, thanks everyone for joining us. Again, this is Matt Moment for the tag team Treasured Memories Boys. I'm here with Lifetime Matt Wilson and Lifetime Matt Wilson Give us a little lifetime wisdom to lead us out. I will do that. But before that, I do have a question for you and everyone else listening. How many years is it before WWE signs the Cash Me Outside girl? Oh, man. I, not soon enough. Is it is it culture, Is it it completely culturally irrelevant yet? Oh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like her, everybody, keep living that gimmick.